Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. To listen without ads, head over to patreon.com slash right and wrong. Ooh, a spicy question. I <laughs> because love the it. writing is sort of everything, right? Like you kind of can fix plot holes, but if the yeah. writing so some there. readers love that, and some readers are like, "But I wanted more of this." So it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of a gamble. Hello, and welcome back to the Right and Wrong podcast. With me on this episode is author and comedy writer Emily Jane Clark. Hello, Emily. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for being here. Um, let's start with the headlines latest children's book came out in January, the second of the Beasts of Nobbly Bottom series, Mm -hmm. Rise of the Zombie Pigs. That's a sentence I never thought I would say. (laughs) Um, Tell us a little bit about it. Um, Well, it's set in Nobbly Bottom, which isn't a bum with knobbly bits on it. That would be a bit of a weird, that would be a different kind of book, I think. Um, But it's actually a village called Nobbly Bottom. um, And a girl called Maggie moves there in the first book, actually, um, with her, with her mum and her sister. And she thinks it's the most boring village in the world. There's like nothing there. Um, And she's moved from a big city. So it's even more boring. Uh, there's just sort of loads of grass and things made of green and and farm animals and things like that. Um, but anyway, she soon discovers that um, it's not as boring as it first seemed. Um, some weird things start happening. She meets some strange characters, including someone called Gary, the great and evil child eater. So it's getting pretty scary, although I have to say he is a vegan, so we're okay. <laughs> um, and then, the, but the worst of all, she comes across some, um, in the first book, she comes across the vampire sheep. She just thinks she's managed to get them out of the way when the pigs start acting weird. So in the second book, the the pigs turn into zombies and all hell breaks loose again because they literally... Whereas the, the vampire sheep, they were pretty bad. They wanted to take over the world, you know, classic baddie style. Um, the zombie pigs, they just want to eat it. They want to eat the actual whole world and everything in it. They're just unstoppable eating machines. Uh, so she has to, in the latest book, Maggie and her friends, uh, her friend Fred next door, they have to, yeah, try and put a stop to all that and not get eaten. So... That's it in a in a kind of nutshell. <laughs> in, in a sort of insane, whimsical nutshell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it sounds amazing. Um, I assume most people listening might have devised that it is a children's book. Oh yes, um, I should have probably mentioned that. <laughs> Especially because exciting today it was announced it's on the shortlist for the Waterstones Children's Book Prize. So oh, I, just, wow. I was looking for a way to slip that in, Jamie. <laughs> There you go, seamless. Um, to be fair, they've made me keep it a secret for three months. So now I'm just walking around. I told the postman this morning, um, <laughs> you know, anyone who will listen, I'm, it's, it's coming out now. So, <laughs> Well, that's amazing. Thank what you. an achievement. Um, what's the kind of age bracket that, that this is marketed towards? 
Um, it's sort of younger readers. So I'd say it's suitable probably for like seven plus. Um, so the young, for, for younger kids, it's nice. It's a nice one for parents to read to them. Um, so I sneaked in a few jokes there sort of for parents because I've got two children and um, they always, you know, I always read to them at night where they're always like one more page, one more chapter. So I really wanted to write a book that parents would hopefully enjoy as well that was my favorite thing if I could read them a book I liked everyone's a winner so yeah 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 so that's uh so I'd say any but but I've had yeah anything up seven to eleven really uh, reading them or being read being read to so yeah there's definitely something and there's a real skill to it it's I remember a lot of the older Disney stuff even some of the new stuff that they're like movies and they always have the jokes in there which are for the adults alongside the ones for the kids yeah well it's quite nice isn't it and also another thing um reading to children if there's opportunities to do funny voices like you know with big funny characters that can make (laughs) it more fun to read out loud as well so i used to love um reading anything that had character like i loved reading my children the mr gum books because they had lots of uh funny voices and it's like finally my drama degree got got a bit bit of use when I had children's bedtime so yeah so it's all good okay so as you mentioned um this is book number two of the piece of the knobbly bottom you also have a book called sleepers for the week yeah yeah which is non-fiction and mm-hmm. it's a sort of humorous how-to kind of book? Yeah, yeah, it's quite, I wrote it after, um, during the, the dark days of sleep depriva- deprivation, I can't even say it now, um, <laughs> when I had two children that didn't didn't ever sleep when they were babies and toddlers. So, um, yeah, so I kind of wrote a survival guide for parents on how to survive on on no sleep called Sleepers for the Week. Um, yeah, quite, quite a while back, but um, it had a bit of swearing in it you see so I promised my children I would write something without swearing in it uh, especially after I caught one trying to take it into show and tell once um oh. I was like, no, bring it back bring it back I'm part of the teachers thinking you've got a potty mouth mother um, but you know sleep deprivation in my defense does make you quite sweary so you know okay yeah I, I, I get that and uh and I, I've also seen some of your other work particularly the sketch that you wrote that's kind of went quite viral performed by yeah. Eddie Taylor women tell everyone to f off yeah um, I was in a bit of a bad mood when I wrote that um, didn't expect <laughs> really? it to go yeah I think it was just one of those those things that many women will probably relate to where you just feel like you can't get anything right according to you know everyone else um so yeah so I kind of wrote it in a bit of a temper and so and then next thing I know it's um yeah Madonna's sharing it and things like that I was like wow I should be in a bad mood more often um but Ellie Taylor was brilliant she really kind of made made it her own and she was fantastic so yeah it was a great sketch (laughs) thank you obviously obviously the sleepers for the week came quite presumably quite a while before you started the knobbly bottom series yeah yeah it's quite a big gap in between do you and, and I know that you still do like comedy and things like that. Yeah. Do, do you, is it quite a specific headspace that you need to like put yourself in when, when you're moving between writing those kind of younger children's books 
and the sort of more sweary adult stuff <laughs> yes you i do i um yeah i do have to remind myself i can't put sweat i can't swear or even slightly swear i couldn't even you can't even get away with sort of crap or anything like that um okay. but not yeah and not it's i think actually the going from when I've been right in the thick of working on the children's books and then I go have to write something for grown-ups that's that's almost more difficult because I write in the voice of the main character who's like um a young girl um I find myself even replying to like work emails sounding like a nine-year-old child um I'm like oh my god that is super cool I'm like oh god this is like um yeah trying to sound all grown up so actually yeah you have to get in a specific yeah I have to get myself in the out of the zone of, of writing like a child almost <laughs> so oh, that's that. a, so it's you find it harder going that way around yeah the other way around yeah I think I maybe whether it's um also to do with because you know obviously when you're working on a book it's so intensely just that um for hours and hours a day so you get you do you're sort of living it um whereas if you do if I'm doing pieces of work for various places um it's not you, you know you're not living it for months and months um really so so it's probably that just the intensity of working on a book because even once you finish it you get it back so many times for like the edits and then you've got to read it again for the um sort of pr- you check it for proofs and check the uh, like all the illustrations so you've seen it so <laughs> so much um by the time it comes out you almost yeah you just get caught up in that world yeah that makes sense because um the the sort of the other stuff that you write across the different mediums you you, mm. you do like sort of television scripts sketches uh, yeah. features articles that kind of stuff so i guess with those like you say you're kind of doing that for a week or two weeks yeah exactly and so, then it's done yeah so you can yeah. you can then just slip back out of it and get back into uh children's children's get into back into bum jokes um so <laughs> <laughs> do you ever use um as a sort of replacement for more adult language and swear words do you ever do like a, like they do it in fantasy novels a lot where they have they they are swearing but it's like the in-world fantasy swear words so to us it's not rude do you ever do that in the children's books yeah yeah i yeah I, I but you can't they're quite strict on it if they even have a sniff that it might be a replacement swear word because my like um I think she was, she, the mum once said fudge cake instead of something else that sounds quite from, similar to that. Um, and I wouldn't, I wasn't going to get away with that, unfortunately. Oh, um, really? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but so, and, but I even like my, the main character, she says, heckity doodah a lot, which obviously that is quite tame, isn't it? But they even had a meeting about what, you know, just to check that there wasn't, that that, that was allowed. It had to get the, uh, had to get the go ahead. So yeah, you have to be quite careful. You can't, you can't get away with a lot. I had to say, I didn't realize I used the word stupid so much. I put stupid so many times and I had to go over and think of a different word to, to replace it with. Um, because it, yeah, so when you're writing for young children, it is you get used to it as you go along. Um, so, but the good thing is, I think it's made me swear less because I I'm in that mindset. Um, so yeah, I tend to just say fudge cake or heckity doodle now. Um, <laughs> um, are you allowed to use a sort of if you do have a replacement? um for, for for any word um like if you said something like bobbles or something mm-hmm. and you if you repeated it lots of times would that be in would that be flagged as an issue because it was because it's clearly a replacement 
Uh, probably, yeah. You have to be okay. you have to be sneaky about these things to get to get them through. I think. <laughs> so you have to kind of let's say you you're replacing all the times you've written stupid. Do yeah. you have to replace them with different words? I did. I did actually in this okay. in this case, but but also yeah, because I think stupid is quite a broad one. I was getting yeah. away with quite a lot, but when I had to narrow it down, there wasn't there wasn't quite a word that would cover every everything I needed it for. So yeah, so I just yeah came came up with lots of different ones. I think for that. <laughs> I guess yeah. I, mean, I guess the theory is there that you're not you're not kind of um, teaching children children to fixate on one word, which means a bad thing. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's true. I have to point out, she wasn't calling people stupid in the book. Um, right. <laughs> it's more like stupid, this stupid village and things like that. So, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, but yeah things exactly. stupid, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So let's get back onto um we, we mentioned you you do write lots of different things features um adult children's sketches all that stuff uh kind of like with i was going to ask a similar question to do with the adults versus children writing when you're writing for those different disciplines is it again is it is it sort of another headspace if you're writing like a feature versus when you sit down to write children's book pulling up to mickey d's just for drinks oh yeah that's me nothing extra just perfection and a straw coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block because there are drinks then there are drinks from mcdonald's mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for a dollar 49 perfect with our classic fries price and participation may vary cannot be combined with any other offer Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. yeah i think it depends i mean it's all co- it's all tends to be comedy i do um and so actually there's similar similar ways of setting up the jokes and things like that they would all kind of translate for each medium uh so yeah so it's more yeah i definitely use the same techniques like when i'm writing uh for children i use this technique like what like I'll say, oh, what if this happened, you know, and get sillier and sillier? Like, what if the sh- these sheep turned into vampires, but then they were gangsters? Um, and actually, I use that when I'm writing for adults as well. So, um, yeah, so actually, even though I think adults, unfortunately, don't find bum jokes as funny as children, you can use, you can get, yeah, you can, you, you can use sort of similar way. Of, it's a similar way of working, I think, for both. Oh, okay, that's really interesting. So it's more like, you're using similar structures but you're dressing it in in a kind of different way yeah yeah exactly that so i'm using this the same techniques to come up with funny ideas but yeah just uh more x-rated for the adults (laughs) (laughs) um so going back a bit where where and when kind of did your all of your kind of writing adventures begin well i used to be a journalist before i had kids um then I went into features. Um, then I had my children, and as I mentioned, they were um, they were they wouldn't sleep, so I was so tired. So I'd originally like told I was freelancing at that point, and I told like clients I was writing for. I was just like, you know, six months, and then I'll be back to work, no problems. So how hard can a baby be? Six months in, I was still in my pajamas. Um, so I had to like ring them and say, oh, sorry, I think it might be another, an, another, um, actually it wasn't six months. It was six weeks. That was it. Six weeks. I stupidly, I didn't know anyone with kids at this point. I was the first person out of our sort of, out of everyone I knew. Um, 
So, yeah, I was so stupid. Yeah, then six months came around. I was still in my pajamas. Um, and it just, and then I got, I had got pregnant with my second daughter very soon after the first one. So I ended up just having to, and then I got, I got quite ill with postnatal depression. So, um, and sleep deprivation probably as well. So I kind of ended up being forced to take a bit of time out and just, just, um, it was sort of a really tricky time. I was, we were really, really skint, obviously because I wasn't working. I was tired. I felt horrendous. Um, and I think I was like, oh God, that's it now. I'm just probably never going to work again. I'm going to have to just, um, I don't, you know, just get any, whatever job I can take. I didn't think, um, sort of the writing career would sort of take off again. But, um, I just, when the kids got a little bit older, I just started writing stuff for myself at home, um, about just about how being a mum and about my evil children. Um, (laughs) and that ended up, leading to a publisher asking if I could write a book about it. So, um, so weirdly from that sort of really tricky place came, came something good. And then I started writing for places like, you know, like Metro UK, just doing sort of columns for them about various things. And then I worked, started working for the Daily Mash. It was all off the back of writing a funny book. I think you get more, you get asked to do work that sort of along those lines. Yeah. And then sort of evolved and got the tv stuff so it all um it was all like a domino effect i think so um yeah so it's quite and then obviously did the did the children's books as well so it was definitely very it it wasn't the path i intended to take (laughs) um i always wanted to write comedy but once you're sort of in that career um i was sort of writing features for magazines and stuff yeah you sort of carry on doing that don't you don't sort of branch out so yeah, so it's a different path to what I would have expected to take, but I'm glad I did, really. So Yeah, it all worked out in the end. Yeah, in a weird way. I wouldn't have predicted it. <laughs> so. <laughs> so a publisher asked you to write Sleepers for the Week. How did that, like, how did you kind of get in contact with the publisher? How did that conversation oh, begin? Um, I managed to get an agent first, actually. So, yeah, okay. um, so I got an agent and then, yeah, she did the usual sending out um and got a publisher that way so was that off like the um the a pitch for something similar to sleepers for the week yeah i'd had yeah because i'd had i i I had it like i'd been writing a blog i don't think people do that anymore um but i've been writing a blog on wordpress about it and a couple of those articles had sort of gone viral back in the day it would have been on facebook um Mm -hmm. So, and I, I think along that, around that time, not a lot of people had been writing about kind of the, the tricky aspects of motherhood either. So yeah, there wasn't a lot like, it, I think, so it was quite a good time to, to, yeah, to get something out there, I think. Okay. And, and did agents contact you through the blog or did, did you actively look for agents with a I submission? I think it was, yeah, it was a, it was a bit of both. So, okay. um, yeah. So that obviously it helped that I had the blog and I had the following, uh, you know, to point them in the direction of that. So it definitely was a combination. But after having two children and them growing up a little bit, you decided you wanted to write something that they could read that you could kind of share with them. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that because I spent so long reading bedtime stories, as I said, um, I just, yeah, I thought it'd be nice to have something to, obviously the process is so long. Um, 
like my eldest is 12 now and the books for younger children and I was like mm. oh god so yeah now she was like well why can't you write something for my age I was like well I did <laughs> but you stupid grew up <laughs> so yeah so yeah okay but, what are you kind of thinking about writing now are you are you going to keep writing for sort of their age knowing that they'll probably have outgrown it by the time it comes out <laughs> yeah it'd be all right for their children my grandchildren will enjoy these books um well I hope to write some more knobbly bottoms I think I'm really enjoying actually writing for children um mm. I'd like to write some some of those or and I've got a few more ideas um for other children's books uh, maybe for slightly older um children uh so yeah but I also love the adult stuff as well so i not sure what the future holds but I think it's okay to want to do a bit of everything and to um, I think these days are quite lucky you can't you don't just get pigeonholed you can write a variation of stuff get yeah away absolutely with it. <laughs> absolutely I would you do any more adults sort of in the vein of sleepers for the week do you, do you have any ideas or plans to do anything more kind of like that I haven't I'd like I think I I wouldn't mind yeah sort of doing maybe an updated sort of version of sleepers for the week which is um which actually I've done I've um my agent's got at the moment so we've sort of updated it added a few more because it was quite a while ago it was out um yeah I think it was 2017 now so um yeah so I have done an updated version I've got loads of new material in there and things like that so um yeah so we're looking we're looking to to do something with that hopefully um yeah but i yeah i'd like to and i i like i'm writing a play as well i love still write love script writing um okay. so yeah lots of fingers and many pies yeah that's the thing isn't it you just have to keep things to, it's so slow like in the industry isn't it you can send some mm -hmm. things off and then it could but you could be waiting to hear for ages so you might as well just get on with the next thing hopefully yeah exactly and, <laughs> and a lot of those things like you know you talk about writing a play or writing a, a script for, for for television or film and at a certain point you even if that gets picked up and it does go into the the kind of whatever the machine is, mm. you're kind of done at a certain point there, you know? Oh God. Yeah. And then, then it's, you don't hear anything. You hand it all in and then it's obviously everything's happening at their end, but you're, yeah, you're exactly. sort of, you're not, you're not really needed for a while. So uh, yeah. But then because it is so unpredictable, uh, you do have to keep plugging away and coming up with different ideas because you could, you could get to a point where you have nothing coming in Um mm for a while I suppose it's um a lot of actors can normally relate to this actually you know that period you think oh this is it now there won't be anything yeah, there won't be another part after this there won't be another book after this so you just keep <laughs> keep on going don't you and um hope for the best yeah I definitely noticed um when we kind of came out of the kind of global lockdowns and stuff oh, there God, was yeah. a series of movies with actors that I would have thought were very high profile yeah. doing sort of like Hallmark style movies yeah. and I was like wow yes, yeah. you must have been worried exactly <laughs> no that's true actually it was around lockdown that must be why yeah. um they're just like I'll just take anything yeah exactly <laughs> so, yeah yeah it's funny I can see, um yeah. I saw on your website that uh outside of writing all these different mediums for all these different people and places and things like that you have done some mentoring 
are you still partnering with Jericho Writers? Yeah, I love Jericho Writers. They're, they're really, it's, they're really good. Um, I re- it's really fun as well because you just get to be really nosy and read other people's work. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I do mentoring um, for them. So basically, if someone's writing a book, they'll go to Jericho and say, you know, have you got anyone that could be suitable to help me with this genre? Um, and then yeah, they'll ask me whether I'm interested. Send me a little extract, and then yeah, and through so through Jericho, I'll. I'll take them on if I think I can sort of help them. Um, so yeah, so it's really, it's really, it's really fun. Okay. Yeah, it's, I've always found even in a more minor capacity than that, just doing things like uh, giving feedback and critiquing uh, yeah. other people's work, I think is, there's a sort of um, eye-opening self-reflection in that. Oh God, definitely. Yeah, definitely. It's, yeah, I, I think I've, I've learned a lot from the people I'm mentoring as well, really. So if, if there's a mistake that you have been making, it's hard yeah. to see it in your own writing. But if you yeah. see it in someone else's writing and then go back to yours and you think, oh, wow, I did the thing that I just <laughs> told them was bad. Exactly. <laughs> I would, yeah, I think it's the same as, you know, like generally uh, we can give sort of a friend some really good advice about certain situations. But when you're in that situation, you don't mm-hmm. do the thing. You've just advised someone to, do, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like... You, you, you see it from a different point of view don't you so it is yeah really useful for that actually yeah it's the uh do as i say not as i do yeah yeah precisely Um, and that brings us to uh, what is uh, the, the the same question that we we round up all of these episodes with <laughs> and that is emily if you were stranded on a desert island with a single book which book do you hope that it would be well that's quite an easy one. It would have to oh. be, it would have to be, um, a kind of how to survive on a desert Island manual really, wouldn't it? <laughs> Cause I would not have a clue okay. otherwise. So yeah. So, you know, maybe some Bear grills kind of thing, something okay, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. to help me. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that could be your next adult book follow up for sleepers for the week yeah how to survive on a desert island yeah if i try and get a publisher to send me off to one so i can you know (laughs) give real real life experience then then that might help (laughs) okay yeah i mean very practical very pragmatic uh, a smart choice Uh, (laughs) (laughs) can't argue with that Um, and that brings us to the end of the regular episode and into the new extended cut section exclusive to patreon subscribers so anyone listening who hasn't yet joined the patreon please do think about doing it it goes a long way towards covering the costs of running this podcast amazing well that's uh, that's awesome it's been really really fun chatting with you emily and learning all about your your writing and the the books and everything that's going on with you um thanks so much for coming on oh thanks for having me it's been really fun jamie and for anyone uh, wanting to keep up with what Emily is doing, you can follow her on Twitter at Emily Jane Clark, on Instagram at Emily or on Facebook at Sleepers for the Week. To make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast, follow along on all socials. You can get the episodes a week early and ad free on Patreon. And for more bookish chat, check out my other podcast, The Chosen Ones and Other Tropes. Thanks again to Emily and thanks to everyone listening. We'll catch you on the next episode. 